0: Welcome to episode 23 for Tuesday, November 24th, 2015, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week we'll be covering style 26B, Belgian Dubbel. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Travis, and together with Chris, Eddie, and Sawyer, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Each week we discuss a different style of beer. And taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Brew Styles. Drop by our website BrewStyles.com where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. All right, well, how's everyone doing? Uh, it's just me. <laughs> well, yes, you're here, Chris. How are you? Yes, doing? I'm good. All right. How are you, Travis? I'm doing great. Well, I guess not so great. I just saw my Cowboys lose the seventh straight game yeah. in a row. Yeah, well. It's terrible. That sucks. Yeah. But Chris is here, and we're also joined by uh, Sawyer. Yeah, beer. He is here. And, uh, <laughs> of course, Eddie. I'm going to send a picture of you guys in my poop whenever I poop later. Okay, that's really gross. And, uh, <laughs> you know, cars oh, here. And boom, goes the dynamite. We're also joined by Jason Kelson. Yeah, like when I was in college, I first started experimenting out. Yeah, we got the whole crew here today. <laughs> Pretty sure it's just you and me, Travis. Oh, I tried. <laughs> yep, we went from having a, a five-man crew for several weeks in a row to having a, a duet. That's okay. Yeah, sometimes so, it happens. Yeah, Sawyer and Eddie are otherwise engaged today. Yeah, so. uh, yeah it, it I mean, it's it's a really exciting day, because I think I think Sawyer finds out if it's a boy or a girl today. Oh. That's why he's not here. Okay. And Eddie's there in support. Oh, okay. He's, he needs someone to hold his hand. Uncle Eddie. And yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it, it. We could get the call at any moment. Yeah, we could. And if it's live, we're going to patch it in. Um, <laughs> if not, then we'll just let you know next week. But uh, it's, it's a good time. Good time to be alive. See. I'm sad for them, because they're going to miss uh, what I would think would be a fantastic episode. We have a lot of good things planned for today. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I love this style of beer. Yes. We're going to get into a a really good style and lots of good examples today. And we have a lot of beer to drink if it's just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so we, okay. we might get a little interesting at the end. I guess we can stretch the episode out and start talking slower. Howdy, folks. <laughs> this is belgium double or we could just drink the beer or we could just drink uh, the beer yeah yeah that's okay uh before we start we did want to give a uh, a thank you to our listeners and definitely a welcome to our new listeners uh we, we've had kind of a i guess a, a new renaissance lots of new listeners have coming in and renaissance i guess <laughs> i don't know how else to describe it but uh a new resurgence yeah things have definitely been going very well for our podcast and uh, if you're listening then we want to say thank you uh, we've had we, we've had several people email and uh, actually had a, a review this week on our podcast on iTunes which is awesome so yeah. if if you feel the need then drop on iTunes give us a review good or bad we'll take it uh, just thanks for listening and uh, we'll keep trying to bring as much of this goodness to you every week as we can just speaking for myself and I think I talked for everyone else that we really enjoy this, and we have no intention of quitting anytime soon. So, week after week, uh, you can look forward to a new episode of Bruce Styles every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday! Even though we don't record on Tuesdays. But that's okay. <laughs> they'll never know. <laughs> well, the fact that you mentioned watching the Cowboys game today, I think they'll realize that... I DVR every game. On Sunday and watch it on Tuesday <laughs> before I come over to your studio right. to record, right. and then you immediately edit it and it's it's released at six a.m. on Tuesday morning. Yes. No. But we're in a different time zone. <laughs> That's so okay. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. We're in the past. Whoa. Anyway, so they right. were talking about the Belgian double. Yes, And or, excuse is, uh, me, the Trappist Duble. <laughs> Could be taken both ways. That is uh, an important thing to note. This is a style I've been looking forward to, and we've we've put it put it off for a while. There's a lot of Trappist ales that we need to get into, and we will. And when we feature them, we'll make sure to have uh, quality examples of every one. And uh, this is just just the start. Cause there's a lot of them. Now, when we say Trappist ale, what does that mean? Well, uh, the word Trappist is a protected legal appellation, so only specific breweries can use that. And it's really only used by uh, genuine, genuine monasteries. And most of them are in Europe. I think there is one in the United States that just recently got uh, the approval to use it. But for the longest time, there was, uh, I think, seven, seven breweries in, in the greater Europe area that were allowed to, to call their beer a Trappist Ale. And so in the BJCP notes... They make sure to to delineate that, that Trappist is a protected legal appellation and cannot be used commercially except by genuine Trappist monasteries that brew their own beer. And so whenever uh, whenever they describe the beer, they're going to say it in that style. So even though some of the beers we tried tonight are not legally called Trappist ales, they're still in that style. So what would you call that? What do you mean? There's a... You know, like when we did the Kolsch episode, if it's not brewed in Kolsch, then you can't call it a Kolsch. It's a Kolsch style. Yeah. So what would you call it if you can't call it a Trappist? It's in the Trappist style, or it's a, a Belgian Duble style. Don't they call it Abbey Ales now? I've heard that before. So if it's if it's not an actual Trappist, it could be called an Abbey Ale or an Abbey style. Yes. And I think that's kind of a, a just a loophole, a way of getting around it. Right. Just that it's the same kind of style, but you cannot use the word "trappist" on the label unless it's one of those seven or eight monasteries, right? And actually brewed by trappist monks. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't tried one of those before, I would highly encourage you to, because it's a is a totally different style of beer, um, and in a in, in a sort of weird around way, you're you are supporting the monastery when you purchase their beer, because a lot of them will produce just as much as they need to uh to run their monastery. The uh the one that is I guess the most sought after is West of Lettren, and it's a very small brewery, very small monastery in Belgium and they they literally only produce as much as they need to uh to run their day to day operations. And so it's you know it's hard to come by they sell it either at the monastery or at their bar that they run across the street, and that's it. Um, I had one one time, and it was because I had a friend that went there and brought one back and was uh, kind enough to gift one to me. But otherwise, you're not going to see it on the shelves at Kroger Kroger Marketplace. You're not going to see it uh, <laughs> really anywhere. Sorry, Sawyer. Yeah. So those are uh, those are some neat things about these monasteries that... You know, Some of them are very hard to come by, and some of them are not, which we have a few examples tonight, or at least one, I don't know for sure, and then we'll feature some other ones in the future. But let's talk about what you can expect from the Belgian double. Well, Chris, this example, this style, is uh, it's going to bring back something that we haven't talked about in 20 episodes. What's that? Episode two, the Saison, we talked about a yeast-dominated style. Mm. And See? this is another example of that. The Belgian Dubbel is all about the yeast because that's what provides um, all the aromas and the flavors. Basically, uh, you're going to get both esters and phenols. Both of them, not just one. Esters and phenols. And they Ooh. all come from the yeast. Uh, that being said, it's also malt-dominated style. So um, in the aroma and the flavor, that's what you're going to get. Now, the appearance-wise, it's going to be dark amber to copper in color. It should be an attractive reddish depth of color, generally clear, large, dense, and long-lasting, creamy, off-white head. And typically, these are served in a chalice or a goblet, which uh, there's different styles. Some have long stems, some don't, but it's always a wide-mouth cup. Kind of like the, uh, if you've seen Indiana Jones, the the cup of Christ. The real one, not the fake one that melted the guy's face off? Yeah. Okay. You have chosen wisely. (laughs) <laughs> that's what you would drink a traditional Trappist Ale out of mm. And it wouldn't well, most of them won't melt your face off. Some of the higher alcohol ones will. Perhaps. And we'll probably get to those when we have a uh, a holiday the next day so we can sleep it off. Yeah. But not today. Belgian doubles aren't that aren't that crazy. Mm. So that's the uh that's the appearance. Aroma and flavor are gonna have some similar elements. Uh they're both gonna be complex. And rich, sweet maltiness, both in the aroma and flavor. You're possibly going to get hints of chocolate, caramel, and toast. But it's not going to be roasted. It's not going to be burnt, ever. You will get some moderate fruity esters. Um, these can include raisins, plums, sometimes dried cherries. And dark fruit is going to be a common element with these, and it should be. Uh, esters can include banana and apple, but that's, not, that's optional. That's not a, a necessity. You're also going to get some spicy phenols. Um, some of the higher alcohol ones, these are going to be more common, which can include some light clove, or spicy, peppery notes, uh, sometimes perfumey. You're not really going to get much hops from these. If you do, it's going to be a very low floral quality, but they generally are absent. It's basically all malt and all yeast esters. The uh, the flavor, it's quite interesting because this is it's... A complex malt, ester, alcohol, and phenol interplay. So all of these things need to be working in tangent together. You should be able to get all of them, but not one of them needs to be overpowering. So it's going to be a very a very pleasant experience, um, all dominated by malt and yeast interplay. All right. And typically, they're all bottle conditioned. Yes. Which means it's re-fermented in the bottle. They don't condition... Like in a keg or at the uh, at the brewery, but it's gonna be uh, they're gonna toss in a little yeast at bottling or kegging, and then it'll it'll carbonate in that vessel, which gives it a, a, a different kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, one of the hallmarks of the style, also. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get a little bit of history. righty. So first off, we should talk a little bit about the Trappist. Ale in general. There's not just one? No. There are several. So, the Trappist order originated in the Cistercian monastery of La Trappe, France. <laughs> I hope I said that right. Cistercian? in Munchen. What? Bless <laughs> you. Cistercian? Oh, sorry. I misunderstood. I think it's okay. Cistercian. I don't know. Cistercian congregations existed for many years, and by 1664, the abbot of La Trappe felt that the Cistercians were becoming too liberal. He introduced strict new rules in the abbey, and the strict observance was born. Strict observance is capitalized, by the way. Since this time, many of the rules have been relaxed. However, a fundamental tenet, the monastery should be self supporting, is still maintained by these groups. So. I think the self-supporting part has something to do with them brewing their own ales. That seems to be a theme that has led to modern days, for sure. Yep. Monastery brew houses from different religious orders have existed across Europe since the Middle Ages. From the very beginning, beer was brewed in French Cistercian monasteries following the strict observance. For example, the Monastery of La Trappe and Soligny already had its own brewery in 1685. Breweries were later introduced in monasteries of other countries as the Trappist order spread from France into the rest of Europe. The Trappists, like many other religious people, originally brewed beer to feed the community in a perspective of self-sufficiency. Nowadays, Trappist breweries also brew beer to fund their works and charitable causes. So when you buy Trappist beer... You're donating to charity. If that doesn't give you reason to buy beer, then I don't know what does. <laughs> you know, Drink more beer. You are a good person if you purchase beer, but only from these Trappist breweries. Many of the Trappist monasteries and breweries were destroyed during the French Revolution and the World Wars. So there's that war thing again that seems to keep popping up. Hmm. Among the monastic breweries, the Trappists were certainly the most active brewers. In the last three hundred years there were at least nine Trappist breweries in France, six in Belgium, two in the Netherlands, one in Germany, one in Austria, and one in Bosnia. Really? Possibly in other countries as well. Hmm. I I can swear that there's one in the United States now that uh... Well, I am getting I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> I take that. That was Think back. That, that's in the last 300 years. Think back. <laughs> Sorry, you like that one. That was in the last 300 years. Yeah. Today, 11 Trappist breweries are active one in Austria, okay. one in Italy, six in Belgium, two in the Netherlands, and one in the United States. Okay. 11. I don't think I could name them all. I think I could name. Do you have a list? Because I think I could name some of them. Yes, I do have a list. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to try to name them. Shemay uh, is one. Yes. Uh, West Wall. <clears throat> yes. Maritsu. No. no. Okay. So there's two. How about <laughs> Rochefort? Yes. Okay. There's three. Um, There's one like it's a five-letter E L. Etchel. A Yes. Okay. So there's four. Um Latrap. Yes. Five. And then let's see there's uh West Veteran. Yes. What I talked about earlier. So there's six. I'm more than halfway through and I'm starting to fumble. <clears throat> let's see, there's also uh a pe, pe- Peter. Uh, uh, St. Bernardus. No. Oh. Dang it. Okay. Still at six. I feel like I'm going to know a few more of these. Okay, let me just go down the list. Okay. Rochefort, you said. Yes. West Mall, you said. Both those in Belgium, by the way. West Vletrin, also in Belgium. Also known as St. Sixtus. Chimay, also Belgium, which you said. Yep. This one you did not say. De Orval. Oh, also in Belgium. Orville, okay. Browry der St. Benedictus abdij de Akarskluis. That's the actual one. Also in Belgium. <laughs> so, yes, I got that one <laughs> in so many words. Browry de Konigshoven, That's Latrap in the Netherlands. All right. Seven. In Austria, Stift engelschell Engelschell, I don't think I know that one. Okay, uh, they opened in 2012. Oh. In the United States, St. Joseph's Abbey okay. opened in 2013. Nine. Uh, Netherlands, Browry Abdij Maria Tuvlucht, Something like that. <laughs> it sounds like an African name. Opened in 2014. All right. Uh, their annual production is still to be determined. They haven't. Anyway, yeah. and then Italy, the Fontaine Abbey opened in 2012, uh, fourteen, Sorry. Fontaine. That sounds familiar. So, the largest production brewery, well, there's Chimay. two, they tied West Mall and Chimay at 3.2 million U.S. gallons per year. Hmm. The smallest, C53, would one, be the one that's to be determined, 53. I would assume. Well, yeah. other than that, though. Uh, ties, the Italy Fontaine Abbey and the Austria Stift Engelchel, both at 53,000 U.S. You know, several of those I had not heard of. I mean, I knew that there was one in the United States, but I don't think I had one from them. And then all, there was like maybe four, four of the ones that you said that I had never heard of. The U.S. one produces uh, 124,000 U.S. gallons a year. Hmm. So, anyway, there's your there's your list of breweries. Now, back to history. <laughs> in the 20th century, the growing popularity of Trappist beers led some brewers with no connection to the order to label their beers Trappist. After unsuccessful trials, monks finally sued one such brewer in 1962 in Ghent, Belgium. The Dutch brewery De Koenigschauven produces Trappist beers branded La Trappe that are able to carry the authentic Trappist product logo. Their use in the International Trappist Association logo was withdrawn in 1999, but restored in October 2005. So there's a lot of back and forth with this. Lots of legal issues, sounds like. Right. Okay. So it wasn't until 1962 that, you know, people were successfully sued for calling their beers Trappist without actually being Trappist monks or monasteries. I think it would be hard for them to take it to court since they have a vow of silence. So. I'm sure they have someone who can speak on their behalf. You know, they don't, even have, they don't even have to plead the fifth because they can't talk. Or maybe it's because they're drunk all the time. In 1997, <laughs> eight take Trappist Abbeys... Don't strike me down with lightning. Eight Trappist Abbeys, six from Belgium, one from Netherlands, one from Germany, founded the International Trappist Association. It's a trap. ITA to prevent non-Trappist commercial companies from abusing the Trappist name. This private association created a logo that is assigned to goods, cheese, beer, wine, etc. Mm-hmm. that respect precise production criteria. For the beers, these criteria are the following. The beer must be brewed within the walls of a Trappist monastery, either by the monks themselves or under their supervision. The brewery must be of secondary importance within the monastery, and it should witness to the business practices proper to a monastic way of life. So, monastery first, brewery second. Okay. The brewery is not intended to be a profit-making venture. The income covers the living expenses of the monks and the maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Whatever remains is donated to charity for social work mm-hmm. and to help persons in need. Trappist breweries are constantly monitored to assure the irreproachable quality of their beers. So I guess that's how Chimay and Westmall get away with doing such an enormous production. Um, Because, I mean, I've seen those in our markets since I can remember. So they're obviously producing way more than it takes to run the brewery, or their monastery. Um, So I'm guessing that the vast majority of their proceeds are donated to charities or, or something else that would uh would equal out to to what you said all right so the designation abbey beers which we brought up earlier was originally used for any monastic or monastic style beer after the introduction of the official trappist beer designation by the international trappist association in 1997 it came to mean products similar in style or presentation to monastic beers in other words an abbey beer may be produced by a non-trappist monastery like Cistercian Benedictine, or produced by a commercial brewery under an arrangement with an extant monastery, or branded with the name of a defunct or fictitious abbey by a commercial brewer, okay. <laughs> or given a vaguely monastic branding without mentioning a specific monastery by a commercial brewer so I could brew a Belgian or a, a Belgian duble and name it a Travis Trappist. No wait, I can't say Travis. I could say a Travis You could make up your own monastery name. Browery Van fictitious Pollen. Fictitious Abbey. The the <laughs> Church of Church of Travis. And then this is my Abbey Ale. <clears throat> yes. That seems <laughs> seems like a, a lot can't of steps to go through. It, you can't call it a Trappist. No. So my it's a Trappist. Beer is breaking the the code of the International Trappist Association, but I won't tell if you, you put won't. an exclamation point <clears throat> after it, so that makes it okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Trappist beers are all top fermented, including the La Bach beer.
1: Okay, it's so not
0: a bottom fermenting. Interesting. <clears throat> they have no lagering capabilities. Well, uh, capabilities I don't know, but they don't use it. Okay. Um and mainly the lord. bottle what? they're hot for the lord. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> and mainly bottle condition like you mentioned. Trappist breweries use various systems of nomenclature for the different beers produced which relate to their relative strength. So here we go with the names. All right. The best known system is where the different beers are called ankle, double and Trapel, or single, double, triple. These terms roughly describe both the amount of malt and the original gravity for a duble and triple for a trapel, marking the casks accordingly. Ankles are no longer brewed as such. Huh. So double malt in the duble, triple malt for the trapel, and original gravities to uh, correlate with that. Could you call a duble a swollen ankle? <sighs> I suppose you could, except it's E N K E L. Inkle. Whatever. Color cankle. Col- <laughs> Colors can also be used to indicate the different types, dating back to the days when bottles were unlabeled and had to be identified by the capsule or bottle top alone. Chimay beer labels are based on a color system. So, in increasing order of strength red, white, then blue. Yes, we don't have the red tonight. Um uh, but we definitely whenever we do the the blue, I guess there's the dark the dark strong. Oh dark strong, yeah. We the will Claude. have the blue for sure. Yeah because that I mean that's my favorite Chimay ever. Yeah. We didn't we didn't pick up one of those tonight, but that's um that's on my list of priorities for sure. Yeah. Uh West Letter and beers are still unlabeled. Yes, the bottle that I had was just a It was a clean bottle, no label. The cap had the number on it, and that was it. It was like number 12, Yeah, Westy 12. Uh, speaking of which, there's also a number system. Rochefort uses this, 6, 8, and 10, which gives an indication of strength, but not necessarily what the ABV is. Ochoa combined a strength and color of the beer itself, blonde or brown, Kind of designation. So each it sounds like each one of these use a different naming convention. But in the craft beer world, double, triple are all pretty consistent. That's kind of what people call them. Mm-hmm. So today we're drinking the double. So the double is a Trappist brewery naming convention. The origin, the origin, origin, the origin. Oh, I don't have that drop. Oh, oh dang it. <laughs> <clears throat> I saw original and said origin. Um, yeah, that was a Jason. Like when I was in college, I first started experimenting out. <laughs> oh, with origins. Yes. So the origin of the Dubbel was a beer brewed in the Trappist Abbey of Westmall in 1856. Westmall Duble was imitated by other breweries, Trappist and commercial, Belgian and worldwide, leading to the emergence of this style. Doubles are now understood to be a fairly strong, 6-8% to 8% ABV, brown ale with understated bitterness, fairly heavy body, and a pronounced fruitiness and cereal character. Examples are West Mall Double, Chimay Red, Carnig's Chauvin, Latrape, Double, and Ochel 8 Bruin, and Rochefort 6. Mm. So it's still go. a nice and now tasty Nod to Brewing History. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Was that the pumpkin episode? That is labeled NPR on the soundboard. Thank you, killer. It's still a nice and now tasty nod to Brewing History. <laughs> and it so sounds like it, too. <laughs> yes, it does. We're going to end every <laughs> segment that you do with that because it's it's perfect. And that's the way it was. <laughs> Now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) So we have, dang what's that guy's name? Sean Connery. Now we have Sean Connery joining us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And now you know the rest of the story. Let your armies be the rocks and the birds. No, wait. (laughs) Let your army be the The rocks, rocks, the trees, seas, and the 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 birds birds in the the sky. sky. (laughs) Anyway, so what do you say we start with the... West Mall Yeah beer So this is a large bottle (laughs) Uh, 1.9.4 fluid ounces Yeah it's pretty big Yeah and it was Cajun corked Which um, the Trappist ales Are generally Going to be that way Mm -hmm. That is a big cock Uh, It's a big bottle Sorry (laughs) He didn't speak much, but you don't need to put in like comments like that. So it's definitely brown. It's real murky though. Yeah, it's not clear. I was actually expecting a little bit, a little bit darker than that, but uh, I mean, it's pretty dark. But yeah, like maybe like a I don't know, a ruddy or like a rusty, r- rusty brown. Yeah. Was, I mean, yeah, it's kind of ruddy. Uh, definitely has fair carbonation six rounds in a while tan head smell some brown sugar sweetness yeah I get some dark fruit in the aroma like uh I'd say raisins to start with but also a little bit of wood it's very carbonated Mm -hmm. a little bit of a carbonic bite there to it does the guideline say anything about levels of carbonation medium high carbonation I guess that sounds about right yeah yeah it's not over the top, but it's definitely the present. Yeah, Mouthful wants a medium full body, medium high carbonation, which can influence the perception of body. Uh, low alcohol warmth, smooth, never hot or solventy. Yeah, I don't get any heat from it. It's pretty smooth other than the the carbonation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do get some of the uh, like the bubbly tingle over the palate from the carbonation, which is uh, what Chris described as the carbonic bite. I'm trying to see if it has ABV listed on this bottle. I definitely get like some raisins in the flavor. Some dark fruit. A fair bit of bitterness. But it's not like a, a hoppy bitterness. It's just kind of a like a, a woody a woody dryness towards the finish. This one's seven percent. Wow. I don't think I would have guessed that much. What were you guessing? Six. Well, just middle six. I mean I I know there's these, these uh, this style is supposed to be higher than typical but just in the flavor you no know, based on what I tasted I would think 5.5 5. Really yeah cuz you don't really taste any heat don't, you don't taste any Uh I get maybe a little bit but nothing that would <laughs> scream 7% at me maybe 6 mm. Six and a half. Scream. (laughs) up? That's the only screaming going on around here. Yeah. Yeah, uh. I'm having a little trouble pinpointing the flavors, though. I I mean, maybe a little bit of raisin. I don't really get any other dark fruits, though. I don't either. And the more I'm thinking about it, the more it's kind of... uh... Kind of one dimensional. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. <laughs> there's not a whole lot going on with this beer. Yeah, and I had to say that because the the Belgian Dubbel style is supposed to be I mean, very very complex. That's what I sort of talked about it's a complex malt ester alcohol and phenol interplay. So you should have all these things working together in tangent. But uh, do you get any esters or phenols? Mm, I mean, well, well, the dark fruit stuff would be the esters. I don't get many like spicy phenols. At all. Because any, any of the uh, any of the dark food stuff is going to be esters from the yeast. Phenols will be um, spicy notes, uh, like peppery, rose-like, or perfumey. I don't really get much of that. Well, I also know that these are supposed to be served a little bit on the warmer side. One of the bottles says, please serve at 54 degrees. Mm-hmm. So maybe as it warms up a little bit, we might get some more, some more things out of it. Also, I want to, I want some of this carbonation to go away. So I'm, I'm stirring a little bit and I want to, I want to get the carbonation, get out of the way so that I can taste more of what's going on. Yeah, it is pretty highly carbonated and I guess that fits in with the guidelines. Mod moderate, moderate high carbonation, but, uh. That also affects the the mouthfeel, for sure, and can impede the body. Well, I mean, I'd say it's medium-bodied. It's not super heavy, though. Hmm. Yeah. Because if you think about the triple, that's lighter and thinner. Yes. And then the quad is the super dark and heavy one. Yeah, the single's going to be like basically like a blonde. Yeah. A Belgian blonde, and then the double is this uh, like a brown yeah it's like this brownish reddish thing and then a tripel is also going to be a very light light yellow thing but it's just higher in alcohol and has a lot more esters and phenols for sure I mean tripel is all about the the banana and clove Mm -hmm. and then the quad is going to be the same kind of thing if not darker but all about the dark fruit yep So, it kind of just, I guess, hopscotch back and forth. <clears throat> light, dark, light, dark. I actually have a quad conditioning right now. Really? That I'm anxious to try in a while. <laughs> we'll open it up. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> yes, because I got a canning system. garage. Oh. No, I brewed it back in April. Okay. So, that will be exciting. That was month four, and this is month 11. So... There's quite a bit of distance between those. Yes. It still has a ways to go, though. Probably won't be really ready until April or even next uh, winter. Uh, Very patient, man. Well, (laughs) I'm getting impatient because I have nothing tapped right now, and all of my fermenters are full of like aging, long term (laughs) beers. So, I'm starting to get a little bit more impatient. Yeah. So, I'm going to start kegging some things and, you know, trying to to free up some fermenters. That's all right. Hmm. Well, it does change a little bit when it's a little warmer and some of the carbonation's gone away. I don't know if I'm at 54 degrees, but... I mean, I I might get a little more fruit, a little more uh, of the same flavors that I talked about before, but just... A slight bit more intense. But uh I mean otherwise it's still pretty pretty even keel, pretty straightforward. Yeah. The malts are slightly toasty, but nothing nothing burnt like you mentioned. No, not burnt, not roasted. Maybe a little bready. Yeah, I can say that. Do you get any hops? No. I don't either. So, interesting. Okay. I haven't had a doable in a while. I was kind of not sure what to expect. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to be a little bit heavier than this, but um, we have several more examples to try, so. Yeah. Well, we're going to try the East Mall here in a little bit. Do you want to do that one next? Which, yeah, they. I think they have like a, a rivalry, the West Mall and the East Mall. Wait, what? Yeah, it's like a gang. Oh, my god! It's a gang. I thought you... (laughs) Oh, I got him. I got him. (laughs) What's the one... What's the one that you brought? Not the East Pole. I know that now. What's the one that you brought? I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I brought like a... I think it's called like a badonkadonk. What? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. What are you talking about? On the label, he's getting into the cooler. He's pulling the beer out. He's looking at the label. Corson Dunk, but dunk. Yeah. Corson Dunk. so That's what we're gonna try next. <laughs> you could call that one the East Mall. West Mall versus East Mall. <laughs> Game wars. <laughs> Monk's on monk crime. To the death. To the pain. Who can be silent the longest? <laughs> <laughs> <God. sighs> Alright, well, we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna pick up our new one. Alright. Before we move on, what is your Five pound ability rating? <laughs> what? Your pound ability rating. I I didn't understand. Five yeah. poundability rating.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> My pound. <laughs> My poundability rating. Yes. What is your poundability rating of the uh, West Mall, the East Mall, or the West Mall, or the East Mall? Neither one. <laughs> um, five and a half. I'd say a four. <laughs> it was very carbonated, which makes it difficult to pound. Yes, and that's that's that number one uh, thing to to keep in mind. Yeah, when pounding a beer. And it's also higher in alcohol, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say poundability of four for that one. Yeah, I'd say five, five and a half. Mm-hmm. But these aren't brewed to be poundable. No. So, you know. Which the majority of the beers we <laughs> try and we feature are not meant to be pounded. Yes. But we still that do That is it true. Really. Well, we're going to move on to the Badonkadonk. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Korsendonk. Korsendonkadonk. Yeah, which is brewed and bottled in Belgium. It is not a Trappist... Uh an official Trappist Appalachian brewery. But it is, is that one Abbey. It is one that is brewed in the Belgian double style. And it says it in the bottle. A dark, robust Abbey beer brewed by Master craftsmen in the classic Belgian Duble style. Rich and malty with notes of port, raisins, and black chocolate on the palate, and a yeasty, fruity and slightly smoky bouquet. Bottle conditioned, it will mature in a bottle becoming softer and smoother. Best stored and served at 45 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. This was brewed by the Brewery de Boqueray for Brewery Coussendonck, which is in Turnhout, Belgium. Huh. And this is also a very large bottle. Both the ones we've had today have been corked and caged, which makes sense if they're all bottle conditioned. That's what you need to do. That one was more like corked and strapped. Yeah, it had like a wicked, <laughs> a, a wicked cage on it. It's weird, not your standard cage. The color of this one is a little darker. I'd say a lot darker. Yeah, this is like a like a dark plum with ruby highlights on the edges. Still oh, murky. I get, I get something really different in the aroma on this one. I do too. It's like a, a candied sugar um, I've smelt this before. What is it? Licorice? yeah, remember like it's almost smoky. Or remember like uh artificial pineapple or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Artificial pineapple. Yeah, it's not it's real pineapple. It's like the, the fake sweetening. Like artificial <laughs> sweetener. <laughs> artificial pineapple. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, that's different. This is very different from the West Mall. Yeah, this has a lot more fruit in it. I don't know if I get the chocolate that was mentioned. Maybe Maybe a little bit, like on the back end. But it's, it's a lot more fruit. Yeah, I get a lot of like dark fruit, like plums, hint of raisin, maybe like some blackberry. Blackberry? Yeah. Usually I love blackberry. I don't pick up any blackberry. Yeah, the blackberry gives me like a little bit of, uh, a little touch of tartness. Yeah, I don't get any blackberry. I do get the raisin, maybe a little bit of plum though. Hmm. <clears throat> the aroma is different than the flavor. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. I, I would I would venture to say the aroma is a little sweeter. Yeah, it smells like a artificial pineapple, a candy necklace. <laughs> what? Yeah, Remember are like the <laughs> little like can, candy necklaces they used to wear in elementary school. No, and then you'd eat one, no. but then all the rest of them would be slobbery, so you get like little dots of like red and green and yellow all around your neck no that's what it smells like <laughs> it does not have nearly the uh carbonation level as the west mall no or the east mall yeah either one of them they can feed it <laughs> on their own so which one do you like better you know what? i find the course Donk to be much more interesting yeah it's it's a lot um more intriguing if you will what was the terminology you used out of the uh, the guidelines? Uh, there's a lot of things I said. Well, I'm uh, talking about the overall impression. Complex malt, extra go. alcohol, and Com- phenol interplay. Was, I was looking for the complex word. Okay, yeah. It is a lot more complex. The West Mall was very one-dimensional malt and carbonation. But the Donk has a lot more going on. Even as it sits on my tongue. I I haven't taken a sip in a little bit now, but I can still really taste it. Yeah. It's thicker on the tongue. You know, the more that we do this podcast, the more that I start to think that the commercial examples that they list on the BGCB guidelines are the safe bets. The ones that aren't going to push the envelope. The ones that have everything that you want on the guidelines, but nothing more. And it's kind of just you drink and You're like, okay, well, there it is. Yeah, but it's nothing that's going to leave you saying, "Wow, that was incredible! I want another one of those." So, it, um, and I mean, the, the, this whole podcast is based on a system that is used for grading. It, it's basically the the whole reason that BGC boot was was but established. I don't know, I've got so much to say and I just can't get it out. BJCP. The whole reason that the BJCP was established <laughs> was for uh, to establish guidelines for judging homebrew beers. Right. To say, okay, well, if you submit a beer in this style, these are the kind of things you look for. So I guess it makes sense that all the beers that are on their their established commercial examples are ones that are just very much down the middle. This is what it is. There's not much to it. It has everything that you want. It has nothing you don't. And there we go. But it's it's rarely the, the style that we are like, wow, this is the best one we've had this episode. And I can already tell, even after two, sure, the West Mall was good. It was well-crafted, but it's just it kind of, it, it is what it is. I don't know. And yet, whenever you submit a beer to be judged under a specific style... That's what it's judged against, right? But in my experience, more times than not, it is the more complex, full flavored one, I guess, more so on the darker beer side, that are going to be on top. Like, yes, this could be a perfect example of the style, but if it's just kind of there, it's not going to stand out to the judges, you know what I mean? And that's tough. Because it could have everything that is on the guidelines and it could be Yeah. Just like the just like the standard. I mean if you were to brew the West Mall and you did it so well that you put the two side by side and you can't tell the difference between them, how well do you think that would be judged? Probably not as well as yeah. other ones. And it's listed as one of the commercial examples. Yeah. And that's the thing is the judges when it comes down to it are still humans that are wanting something interesting wanting something to wow them. Yeah. That you know, the West Mall did not wow me. You can compare what you have in your glass to words on a page as much as you want but at the end of the day it's still a person that has taste buds that right. has, you know, has thoughts and opinions. And when they have this compared to something else then yeah they're going to pick the thing that is is more interesting, more I don't know. And and that's that's really tough when we're trying to study to become official BJCP certified judges and then we have to compare a a certified, you know, standard double versus something that is in our opinion better and more flavorful, more tasty, but isn't necessarily along the same guidelines. I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's why there's a panel of <laughs> yeah. judges be part of it. Just to make sure everybody's kind of thinking on the same page. Because for me, out of the two of these, I would much rather drink the Corsandonk. I like this beer. (laughs) (laughs) Well Sawyer likes it. (laughs) Yes, thank you Sawyer. But he likes everything so that's fine. Yeah. So but that's just me. I would I would much rather drink the Corsandonk. I would if I were to judge these two, the Corsadonk would rate higher for me. But it's not a classic example of the beer. And that's such an interesting, like, thought piece. <laughs> thought piece? Yes. <laughs> to think about both of these together. And, you know, when we looked at the guidelines, yeah, the West Mall fit every, everything. It didn't necessarily have everything, but it fit everything. I mean, I didn't get any, like, chocolate or, or uh, like, necessarily spicy phenols out of the West Mall. But I got some more out of the Corsendonk. The dunk, Yes. Hmm. I got a lot more complexity out of the course and no- all. Wow. The BJCP world just just opened up for me. There's so much more. Your mind just exploded. <laughs> My mind exploded at the end of that. Yeah, that too. It's warming up a little bit. Hmm. Any differences? Uh, things are getting more intense. Same as the West Wall. Did you say the ABV on this one? I did not read it. Let's find it. I'm getting a little bit more heat as it warms. Uh, It's imported by St. Killian. Do you know that? <laughs> like Killians. Apparently so. Interesting. Uh, best, best by February 8th of next year. So that's good. Oh. It's fresh. Alcohol, 6.5%. What? Okay, so it's lower than the West Mall. It has a heart. Belgian quality beer. But that's not the Trappist heart. It's the Belgian heart. The Abbey heart. So, yeah. What was the West Mall? Seven. Okay. Yeah, a little lower, but still higher than what we're used to. What's the range on the BJCP? They list it as... 6 to 7.6. Hmm. So all of these are going to be, you know, higher than Bud Light or, or basically the majority of the things we've tried before. It's going to be in the higher range, but it should never be hot or solvent So we've had the American Brown. We've had the English Brown. <laughs> this would be the Belgian Brown? I guess so. Because it's... You know, it's one of their, if you're talking about just Belgian styles in general and not the sour ones, it's one of the lower alcohol iterations in the grand scheme of things, you know, when talking about those. Minus a single, which I don't know that I've seen a single other than if that was really just called the Belgian Blonde. Yeah, that's, there's a few styles that I don't think we're going to be able to to do because we don't get them or we don't see many of them. Or if we do, we'll have one beer and then cut it short to fifteen minutes. Be like, "Hey, see you next <laughs> week." But yeah, I think the Belgian, the Belgian or the uh, the Trappist single is one that we don't get. If we do, there's maybe one or two examples. So this would probably, yeah, I think I would equate it to the the brown or maybe the American amber. It's just kind of it's there, but it's but at the same time, there's so much different from the American brown. Or anything else. And that's all because of the, like the yeast. It's so, yeah. so much more complex. And I think you hit it on the head. It is the yeast difference. I mean, when you're talking about an American brown, you're using a very clean, simple American ale yeast. It's not going to leave a whole lot behind. The English yeast will leave a little bit more, but not nearly as much as any of the Belgian yeasts. Belgian yeasts are like... You brew a beer and you want as much yeast character as you can get. Yes. So I mean, uh, grain bills may not be that as different, slightly different, you know, using different municipalities of grain and you know roast levels and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, yeast character is all it boils down to. And that's going to be a big player in all the Belgian styles that we feature. Yeah, uh, which you'll see in the coming. is like from when us. we did the wit. Yes. Yeah, it was all about the yeast. Yeah, I don't know when we're gonna do the other Belgian styles, but it's obviously we're gonna continue on yeah. through all of them. So yeah. mm-hmm. it'll be featured at some point, preferably during the uh, the cold months, because <laughs> you know the bigger the beer, the warmer you feel. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. It's well, still a nice and now tasty nod to brewing history. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much. Yes. So you want to see how the Americans brew some uh, Belgian doubles? It's going to be a neat comparison. <laughs> we have two examples of American breweries uh, brewing this beer. Neither one of them are the actual Trappist brewery here in the states. Wasn't able to find any of those. So yeah, we've got the uh, was it New Holland and um, New Holland? What the what? New Holland, new, oh, new Belgium. Oh no! So we got the new Belgium. Okay, and what's the other one? This is not an Aldi beer. <laughs> <sighs> so we got the new Belgium. New what beer? <laughs> and the other one, I forget what it was. Well, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, we'll get to it. All right. Well, let's get to New Belgium. Well, before we move on to the next one, I think it's. Uh... Appropriate, Even though he's not here, we should probably do our segment um, that we have entitled Deep Thoughts from Sawyer. <laughs> so here is his, his deep, deep thinking comment for today. But that's English right there on the wall. It says restroom. <laughs> Thank you. That oh. has been Deep Thoughts from Sawyer. All right. Yes, it is English on the wall. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, our next... Next example is from New Belgium, not New Holland. <laughs> New Belgium, and it's called New, New Belgium Abbey. It is their Belgian-style Dubel Ale, and they make a point to say Belgian-style Dubel Ale. It's 7%, and it uh, on the edge it says, Our award-winning Abbey stays true to tradition. With an authentic Belgian yeast, six malts, and a guarded recipe. Boom, boom, boom. So check out our oh, website. Oh no, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> that wasn't as as ominous as it to that go. Would be. Way to go, Travis. Enjoy <laughs> by Oh, this this is interesting. It says Enjoy by four five one four eight one three Mar 16. 15031406. It's just a bunch of numbers. What? So I guess it says enjoy by March 13th of 2016. Okay. But everything else there is just numbers. Yeah. It's confusing. Probably a batch number. New Holland, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this is the uh, the New Belgium version of the Belgian Du Have you had this one, Travis? It's been a long time. I don't know. Well, if I have had this one, it's been a long time as well. That's one of the neat things about this podcast is we're trying beers that we haven't had in years. We really had no reason to try them in years because, you know, the the modern beer drinker, the modern craft beer drinker, is going to reach for the new thing. What's new? What's fresh? Well, what's been talked about, or what's time tested. If I want a Belgian beer, I'm going to pick up a Trappist. This is time-tested. When was redi- the last time you had it? Well, no, I'm saying, like, readily available now are the Trappist beers. So if I want a Trappist Duble, I'm going to pick up the Westmall or the, you know, whatever. Whatever. Shemay. Shemay Red. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my first thought isn't going to be New Belgium. Duble. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like We haven't had this one in a long time because if we wanted to pick up a Duble, it's going to be a Trappist. I know I've had it before and it's probably been, I can't even tell you how long it's been. At least five years, if not more. What's the ABV on this one? Seven even. Okay. So right there with the West Mall. I get some very Belgian yeast characters in the aroma on this one. How so? It's just... It tastes Belgian witish, ish Wittish. 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 Just like your humor. Belgian quittish. Wh- Wittish. I don't know. I get some banana, maybe. I'm trying to pull up my Smell rating to see. the Okay. <laughs> the appearance, which we did not talk about. It's at first taste is with your eyes. It's a lot lighter than the other two. Yeah, I'd say one's, this one's more clear. Yeah, it's very clear, and Eddie would disagree with me if I were to say a dark copper. Yeah, he's gonna pull a penny out of his pocket. <laughs> <clears throat> but would you agree with a dark copper? Mm, no. Okay. Well, it's just me then. I'd say it's a a bright ruby. What? color? I don't get any red tinge at all. Yeah, hold on to the light. I am. It's like orange, ruby, orange. The aroma is different from the other two, for sure. Do you get Belgian yeast, like banana clove? Yes, big time. Yeah, that see? is that is certainly see. I wasn't wrong. Ma- no, 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 no. I, I agree <laughs> with you. That's a major a major proponent of this one for sure. But there was not in the other two. No. Yeah, those are, those are some of the phenols that the other two lacked, that this one has. Granted, the guidelines say that those phenols are optional and not necessary. They really come through in the flavor, too. This is like a dark wit. That's what it tastes like. Hmm. Like a lot. I can see that. Yeah. All right, so I finally found my rating for this. The New from Abbey Duble, which... Does it have a date? Uh... This is Friday, March sixth, twenty oh nine. So there's that was, <laughs> that was probably, a while ago. That was probably the day that I imported everything from my Facebook rating site. So it could be earlier. And obviously, I had no idea what I was talking about. But I said excuses. I said smells of an IPA <laughs> <laughs> leaves a tingly aftertaste with hints of bitter fruit. Okay for an Abbey. Three out of five. Okay for an Abbey. Like you knew what an Abbey was? I don't know. I said it smells like an IPA, so what the hell did I know? (laughs) This was a... I don't get IPA at all. (laughs) I mean, we're talking... uh, Today is (laughs) is November 23rd, 2015. And this was... In Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Brought to you from... This is uh, March 6th, 2009. I don't know. Smells like an IPA. I said smells of an IPA. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> is that a rape right, beer? Yes. Cavi. Yes. So anybody can look that up and be like, "This guy's full of yeah hops." <laughs> full of hops. I don't know. But <clears throat> that's funny. <sighs> smells of an IPA. <laughs> so that See, would have been probably in the apartment whenever we had that for the first time. This is why I don't rate things online it's because then <laughs> then there's a record there's no and record people of go back being an idiot dude 10 years ago you said this was this what are you talking about I don't know I was dumb <laughs> 10 years ago give me a break <laughs> who were you 10 years ago are you sure you didn't look up New Holland <laughs> there's no beer called New Holland <laughs> there's a beer called Hollandia and there are beers from Holland though yes Holland 1664 (laughs) Cronenberg
1: But there's no beer called New
0: Holland I don't think so There will be (laughs) There will be There's your Star Wars quote for the day It's close Slightly altered (laughs) Yeah Whatever Speaking of which I'm really excited for December eighteenth. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean when you think about the uh the Brew Styles episodes between now and then, there's not many. There's not that many. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna drink a few beers and then all of a sudden boom, it's time for Star Wars again. Yeah. Which the last time it was Star Wars was May nineteenth, two thousand five. Five, yeah. Yeah, yeah two thousand five. 2005. Are we going to bench watch all the episodes before we go just like we did for episode three? We have to. We have to. (laughs) Either like take the weekend before. Or one a night leading up to it that week. Maybe like a a remote because I don't want to come (laughs) to your studio every night for a week. Uh, We can... uh, I don't know. I have the biggest TV so... (laughs) You don't have surround sound, bro. I have surround sound. I can easily have surround sound. I just don't have the other speakers hooked up. But anyway, we digress. Sir Car would get mad at us. Eddie would ring the bell. (laughs) He he purchased a bell. It'll be here next week. Oh, I forgot he did that. Yeah, hopefully he'll be here next week. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't talked about biscuits, though. No, we haven't talked about biscuits. We didn't talk about any kind of food. That's fine. We're staying on topic. Yeah. which is what our part. Which is what our one iTunes review said. We stayed on topic. <laughs> so we should probably do that. But for the most part, you know, we've been okay today. Yeah. There's that one little Star Wars tangent. So. But there's nothing wrong with the Star Wars tangent. I'm alright with that. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Back yeah. to this new Holland beer. <laughs> <laughs> new Belgium's going to send you like a season assist letter. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know who you are, but you keep saying our name wrong. So... We're just going to send you a letter that says, stop. Stop. In the name of beer. Okay, so out of the three, obviously we liked the um, Badonkadonk, the best one. Yeah, Corsendonk was the Korsundang? best. Korsundang? Yeah. Korsundang. I like the Corsendonk. How would you rate this one against the West Mall? Uh, you know, it. it's very different from the donk. It has... Uh, it has more like the artificial sweetener flavor than the Corsendonk did. This one, the Corsendonk was more like the rich, dark fruit and, you know, just had more more complexity to it. The uh, The new Belgium Abbey, yes, it's there. It's clear. It, it has a lot of flavors to it, but I don't think it's nearly as complex. It's too sweet and too estuary for me. Okay. I like the West Mall better. Now, if you're a huge fan of Belgian wit beers and you want to Belgian try... Belgian wit beer? That was episode 11. I know. That's what I'm saying. If you're a huge fan of the Belgian wit beer and you want to try something on the darker side <laughs> oh, that's similar... Way to interrupt me before I finish <clears throat> my thought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Think back. Think back. <laughs> Alright, start again. So, if you're a huge fan of the Belgian Whitbeer and you want to try something on the darker side, I guess the new Belgium might be a good place to start because you're gonna get a lot of the same esters and uh yeast characteristics out of that one, but I don't know it it's I wouldn't call it a true doble, yeah, the West is a little more approachable, yeah if you're lo- looking for like you know the least amount of i guess volatiles or but if or, you want something really complex go for the course yeah i agree that, yeah. yeah that's my favorite of the three we tried so far yeah i would i would rank them course and <laughs> west mall in the new belgium so yeah. far we have one more to try though oh um, do, do, do. from I'm a gang cool crack it open It's in a bottle. Anyway, <laughs> so this is uh, Amagang, Abbey Ale, brewed in Cooperstown, New York. The same place that the Major League <clears throat> Baseball has their Hall of Fame. Good to know. That was a part of the uh, history in the hat that we didn't have because neither of us have a hat tonight. You're, you're wearing a hat. <laughs> but I did History. Anyway, there's some dancing monks on the on the label. History in a shack. Maybe. This says ale brewed with licorice root, star anise, sweet orange peel, coriander, cumin. Rich, fruity, and aromatic. Burgundian. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundian. And this is Burgundian brew. The San Diego <clears throat> News. Stay classy. San Diego. Amagang Abbey Ale is directly influenced by the patience and wisdom of the Benedictines, who ever seek divine union, a pretty high standard for an ale, but a good one, we think. Deep burgundy color, rich and malty, enjoy with savory dishes, rich cheeses, and almost every dessert. Part of the Duval family of fine Belgian ales. Hmm. So Amagang is part of Duval? Yes, they got out. Oh, okay. Pour slowly so as to not to disturb the yeast sediment. Oops. But with an enough but with enough vigor to create a luxurious head and release the rich bouquet. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so there's some yeast sediment. Well, yeah. The appearance is fairly murky. Might be because the first taste is your eyes. <laughs> First taste is of the eyes <laughs> but this is uh definitely murky it's like a a reddish orange color murkiness might be because of the e- sediment just yeah. just saying they warned you on the label but well I didn't read the label before I poured heed. it I get a little citrus flavor on the nose like some uh, orange peel maybe yeah Can and you then, licorice? Uh, like yeah Belgian sugar it's like some of that sweetness would be a dark there. candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, these these get richer and richer as we go. Yeah, they really do. Maybe we should have started with the rich ones and kind of tapered off into the West Mall. <laughs> but, you know, like Americans do with everything, is they take a style and they just completely go 110% with it. Yeah, well, you can't East all. What? <laughs> <laughs> Quickly scroll to the board. you yes, are saying, Hello? Yes. Goodbye. yes, 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 this. yes, 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 no. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. This is a very rich. Ooh, the flavor is very different from the aroma. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I did not expect that. It is way over the top to me. Very much like a an overt brown sugar sweetness from mm-hmm. the start. It lingers to the finish. It kind of hits the uh, the edges of your of your flavor palette. I mean, I'm I'm touching the the edges of my jaws right now. That kind of thing, not a sour thing, but it just it, it hits you to start with the sweetness. I get the licorice thing a lot. I could see that, and yeah, I'm not really a fan. That's just me, though. I yeah. know a lot of people that really like black licorice. Yeah, there's many people that think if you're gonna do a beer, then then Freaking do it, you know, and have the flavors and aromas and everything else that goes with it be apparent. And so that's definitely the uh, the American viewpoint of doing things is, well, if we're going to do this, then we're going to do it full throttle. Yeah. So th- there's and, not many subtle things about American Irish And that's not lifestyle. always necessarily a good thing. No. <laughs> it, it's apparent for sure. Uh, we've seen tonight the, the huge difference from the stock uh, Trappist Ale to the um, pretend Trappist Ale to the American Trappist Ale. And well, American difference. Abbey style. Yes, sorry. Ale. Uh, I can't say that. Think back. <laughs> think back. <laughs> so don't say Trappist, but think uh, Belgian style Dubbel Ale. Honestly, I like the um, the Trappist ones better. I think my top one would be the Corson uh, Donk. Wait, that's not a Trappist one either. No, it wasn't. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, but it was interesting enough to be interesting, <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was tasty enough to be tasty. <clears throat> yes, I. But you know what? After tasting these other two i I find myself gravitating more towards the West Mall, for this. It's really? like maybe it does need to be. Maybe it's supposed to be a little bit more subdued and one sided. A little more easy drinking would be. Yeah, th- these are like really rich. Yeah. And if you're into that, awesome. I, not quite what I expected for this. I mean, the first time we drank the West Mall, I said I was expecting a little more. But then, as we got through this, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, there's maybe maybe a middle ground would be nice. <laughs> Many of these have been like if you uh if you poured a beer in your glass and then dropped a, a little sugar of or a little cube sugar in there and then kind of swirled around and let that dissolve so it's it's very much like sugary sweet or this one, stir it with a stick of licorice, yeah." So it's got kind of just the uh, the sweetness, but other tones as well with it, and that's been the I guess the mainstream for many of these. So you know, I think I would kind of understand your your uh, you're thinking that the West Mall, which is more subdued, more straightforward, uh, it does not push the envelope on anything, but at the same time, after trying the rest of them, which are I mean very much forward thinking that that would be the one that was more interesting to you. I mean, I like the the Corsanac a lot. I did when we first had it. These other two might have messed that up for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the body and the richness of these make me think more quad. Interesting. I know the quad is supposed to be like really dark fruits, but just the richness of these two... We will get to that episode, and you will eat your words. I, probably I so. I swear to you. Probably so. But I'm still fairly confident. It will take a room <laughs> of like five or six people. <laughs> Granted, they're all big bottles, too, so we're going to be in the same position. What? Well, for the quad? Yes. Well, we're going to have to make sure everybody can be here for that episode, because <laughs> that's going be, to be a big one. Gosh, oh, that is ah. ah. Doesn't uh oh Sam... God. Wow. what in the? Oh,
1: what? oh my!
0: Oh. <laughs> I don't remember what that was. That was a while ago. That was from episode three. What? What, what was he freaking out about? The uh, the skunked. Version of Carona. Oh. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I was going to ask you: Doesn't Sam Adams have a <laughs> a quad? If they do, it comes in their uh, brew. Their Brewmasters or their. I remember there was a Sam Adams. I think it was a Sam Adams that you brought to the house and we poured. It, it looked like motor oil. Uh, motor oil. It would not necessarily be a quad. I thought it was a quad, though. That's why I thought about it. Yeah. Sam Adams has a... I mean, they have like a, a Brewmasters or a Brew Reserve series or something. <clears throat> it has like a the bottle shape where it goes like straight up and then it cuts in. Yeah. And then it goes into the neck. Yeah. Uh, we've had... I mean, we've had many quads. Uh, maybe the, uh, the triple block. We had that one uh. in the rent house. That was like a, a very smooth bottle. It was a blue, a blue colored glass, but we didn't know that until after we poured the beer because it was solid black on the inside. And the bottle we had was like from 1995. It tasted like soy sauce. I don't know. <laughs> the other big thing from Salmon Adams is the uh, Utopias. I think maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't think you've had that. That's a $200 bottle. I would love no, to have it. No, I'm thinking Tetravis. Tetris? Tetravis. <laughs> no, this is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's Sam Adams, Belgian quad. <laughs> Travis. I'm singing that Tetris song. <laughs> no, Tetravis. <laughs> oh, oh, t- well, why did you say in the first place? I did say that in the first place. <laughs> it's a Belgian quad by Sam Adams called Tetravis. To Travis? How would you say that? What? (laughs) How, Travis, are you drunk? I thought you (laughs) farted in your chair. (laughs) What? No. How would you say that? Tetravis? To Travis? I guess so. To Travis? Tetravis? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try this West Mall again. He's uncorking it for the second time. It's gushing over. Now he's rushing to get some paper towels. Oh my gosh! It's all over the table. Oh, that's a lie. Here, Travis, try it. No, you can. <laughs> oh, I'm still drinking yeah, this. Take a sip of Amma, All right. Oh my gang! And then try the West Mall again. Yeah, the West Mall is like it's smoother. It's cleaner. Yeah, it's, I, it's uh, my my opinions have changed drastically. I like that beer. Okay. <laughs> But no, seriously, I think uh, I think the West Mall is kind of the, the go-to one for me now out of these four. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, it makes sense why they picked the straightforward and unconfrontational <laughs> beer. I That's guess. complex. Yeah. To go with it. So, it makes sense. I have tried to brew one of these myself. It was unsuccessful, and I know exactly why. But I I thought for a homebrew session, I could share a little bit about what I tried and then what mistakes I made with you. So this was back before I started doing uh, any all brew stuff or all grain, (laughs) (laughs) all brew. Sorry, as a as a part to a a partial brew. (laughs) Yeah, this was before the all grain stuff. But I started with, <laughs> I mean, two cans of the uh, Coopers Light LME. So two cans, Coopers, of, yeah, Co Coopers. I ne- I didn't know you ever used Coopers. This is back whenever that was. All that was this available is way back. Yeah, before stubbies, before anything. Wow. What did yeah. you call this one? This beer was called "Shaking Me Crazy." Oh, that's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Dang. I have not tried a Belgian since then because it was such a disaster. But I know why, and I will share that with you. Uh, I have a Belgian. It's good. All right. So I did uh, just two cans of the Cooper's Light Liquid malt Extract. And then I had a a pound and a half of the just like clear candy sugar. I also did a, a pound and a quarter of light dry malt extract. So there's nothing that goes with that. And then a half a pound of two row caramel sixty, so sixty, and then a quarter pound of aromatic, and my gosh, a point zero six pound of chocolate malt. Did that even do anything? I don't know. Color maybe. It'd have to be that at that point, point zero six pounds. Hops. I did a one point five ounces of tetaning 60, and then a quarter ounce at uh, 15 for Syrian Golding, and then also a quarter ounce of hersbrucker at 15 ounce <laughs> at 15. The yeast... Wait, now, did you say 15 ounce? No, 15 minutes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the yeast is what messed me up here, because what I thought is, whoa... Well, I want to do a Chimay clone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a bottle of red, white, and blue Chimay, drink the beer, and then cultivate the yeast. And I'll just toss it. In, I'll toss it in my homebrew, and we'll be done with it. Well, that didn't ac- actually work out so well. So what I did is I did I did just that, and I bought one bottle of each. Just a an eleven. I guess it was like an eleven point three fluid ounces, which is like, you know, 33, zero milliliters or whatever the, uh, the European measuring system is. But so I had one of each of those and I was very, very careful to open the bottle, uh, with a nice crisp opening. (laughs) And then I, I sanitized the, the lid. I poured the beer slowly and then the yeast from all three of them. I poured into a singular vessel, then I mixed it up. It was all sanitized, and when it comes down to it, it wasn't very much. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's it's all yeast. It works. Do you have a starter with it though? No. Oh, not at all. That's this is all I had. Probably your problem. Yeah, and so I had, and so then I brewed a uh, a full batch of a <sighs> uh, a Chimay clone, a five gallon batch, five gallon batch. And you used uh, bottle dregs only. Yeah, and then I poured, like, this little bitty... Oh, my God. You know, it was like a, a, a vessel you could fit in the palm of your hand. Like a little cup. And then I poured that in there. I thought, oh, well, you know, it's it's Chimay yeast. It's healthy. Should be good. And then I sealed it up. A week passed. Nothing happened. And then, like... <laughs> nine days ten days nothing happened and so then it got to the point where I was like okay well if if nothing happens tonight I'm gonna to go to the beer store tomorrow and then buy a new pack of yeast and I guess I went to the bar and I came home late and all of a sudden there's like beer all over my floor so something happened and it just it woke up and started fermenting everywhere How, Wait, hold on, how'd they go again started fermenting all over the place I want to make sure yeah and then uh, and so it did it it did its thing and then I bottled it and it tasted bad there was there was something something not right there was an off flavor yeah you overworked your yeast yeah and that was probably (laughs) it because I had this little small bit of yeast and then they were introduced into environments like oh my god there's so much to eat and then they were overworked 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 was that before you knew about starters Oh, yeah, this is like batch seven in my history. What what was batch one? Uh, I'm in the honey. (laughs) I'm in the honey. I'm in the honey. I'm in the honey. What was that, a honey brown or something? Honey blonde. Honey blonde. Yeah. How'd that turn out? (laughs) It was drinkable. (laughs) More so than the... uh... It was drinkable. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Well. So, yeah, it was something that I learned, but... Uh, I would like to try it again, maybe with uh, more knowledge. And, and a starter. Yeah. If you are to attempt uh, harvesting a commercial yeast, then my recommendations to you would be look for the most, like like the freshest bottle you could find, one, and then definitely just propagate it. Because what I should have done is collect the yeast. I mean, I did the right thing by sanitizing the bottles and stuff. But once you collect it, do a very small starter. So basically what you're doing is a very tiny beer. You're you're boiling a maybe a cup of a cup of DME and then pushing the yeast in there. Let it sit for a day. And then do the same thing again the next day. Start building it up. So like the, the liquid level gets more and more, but at the same time you are uh in essence, doubling the yeast count because I mean it's all bacterial cells. Are you doubling it? Yeah, you. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> you got to double the cell count. <laughs> or you can just go to your local homebrew shop and get a. Yeah, just buy some yeast. Get a Trappist or a, a Belgian ale yeast and whatever. Actually, well, I think they called it a Trappist high gravity yeast. That's the one that I used in my. It's a Trappist Trappel. Which there's one sitting here on the table. Or are they? <laughs> But I don't know if we should open it. It's kind of gush. It's going to gush all over the place. Well, I talked about a homebrew recipe I did, but we did not taste a recipe that you did. <sighs> it must be done. But it's a triple. It's there can a, be only one. It's not a double. it's a triple. We don't have the triple in our. Schedule for the next year. Well, I've got like two bottles left after if we open this one. You want to open this one? Yes. All right. Well, we're gonna have to take a break while it foams. And it... well, here's my triple. <laughs> What's it called? It's a Trappist. Oh, uh... but it's not because I'm not a monk in a yeah. monastery. So. It's called... It's a Trappist with like three extra Ts at the end. Because it's not a protected appellation. Right. It's a Trappist. It has Admiral Akbar (laughs) on the label. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so it foamed for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Before we were able to pour it. Because it's uh, very effervescent. Do you remember when you... When you brewed this beer? It was like a year and a half ago. Okay, so it's been a long time since. So. This was my very first all grain. Wow. So, think back how long ago that was. Yeah, so we're talking about like. Yeah, beer. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> so we're talking like. Think <laughs> back. <laughs> that's like the eighth <laughs> time we use that drop today. It works! And so many things. Three boys. Yes, this is my very first. All grain first, and first taste is with your eyes. And the beer itself is fine, other than the fact that it is over carbonated. When you pop the top, then you let it sit in the sink for as it ten, foams five, over five, and five over, ten minutes. And over. Actually, you can see the video on our website, com. <laughs> yeah, the and overflowing you can, you can watch it over. Yeah. You can even see it in slow motion, too. You didn't. You don't need to watch it in slow motion because it happens. Yeah, it's fun for a long time. But anyway, <clears throat> the flavor on it's fine. Slow motion. Thank you, Travis. The flavor on it's fine. There's no issues with it. It's a stock triple, but it's just over carbonated. I I read somewhere that I needed to use a conditioning yeast, and so I repitched my yeast into the bottling bucket. When I bottled, I used like two or three different types of yeast for this beer because I wanted it to finish all the way out. Ended up being like 9%. Yeah, I mean, I'm confident that it finished out because it's, I mean, there's (laughs) there's very little sweetness when you taste it. But there's a huge carbonation element to it, which is because it's fermented all the way down. Yeah. So I'd be interested to try this one again. Um I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. I'd encourage you to do it again. I did a small batch of this one, so I had maybe 24 bottles of it. I've yeah. got one or two left after a year and a half. Yeah. So, and that's the fun thing about doing a small batch is I mean, you can try weird things or things that you necessarily wouldn't try before. Yeah. Or maybe something that could be a uh, a major monetary risk if you mess it up. Like doing a crap ton of grain. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) if you're going to do, like, a huge beer, like a barley wine or an imperial stout, and you decide, okay, well, I want to try this. But, you know, if if you want to do a small batch, like maybe two gallons, three gallons, versus a a full five and a half, six-gallon beer, then you can save yourself a lot of money if, you know, if by chance it messes up. Because you never know. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is all a crapshoot. Well, this is also the only beer I've ever bottled. Everything else I've kegged. And I didn't have a very good experience with the bottling. That's also a big risk. Yeah. The first time you do something. Like with my barley wine that I did, I bought a Mm. a small three-gallon keg. Because I did a small batch of the barley wine, too. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keg this one like I always do. And then I'll bottle it from the keg. Seal it off and that way I can control the carbonation level and it worked out pretty well for that. So, I think that's going to be my go-to bottling system from now on. That's fair. So, I don't know, we'll see how it turns out. I'm going to do the same thing to my quad. And um see how it goes. Yeah. The, I mean, I guess I guess it makes sense the more things you can control along the process than the the more repeatable. Yes. That's what it is. And I'm all about repeatability. And he's probably one of the only few of us that that makes sense (laughs) to. Because as far as homebrewers, it's like, you know, I brew something, I want it to taste good. And it's not like, I brew this, I want this to taste good four or five batches from now. I don't really care about that, but he does. Yeah. That's good. That's kind of the point behind my electric system, too. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to Mm -hmm. control my numbers very minutely. Yeah. So I could repeat things. So anyway... There's our first Trappist episode. Cool. That was fun. There will be many more to come. Oh, yeah. Because we have the Trappist single, the Trappist uh, Chapelle, and the quad, which is going to be a a crazy (sighs) episode. That's going to be nice. We're going to have like 16 people here (laughs) and and (laughs) 500 beers. Yeah, we're going to have... That one's going to be our biggest episode ever. Because I don't want to underdo that one. That's a tall order. There are, yes, there are, it's a quad <laughs> order. There are a lot of, a lot of beers that I want to try for that one. And we're not going to, we're not going to blow it. So that'll be nope. good. But we're also going to have like the, uh, the Belgian Golden Strong, which is like Duval Ooh. and Orville stuff. We haven't even touched that yet. Nope. And the uh, Belgian Pale Ale. So there's, there's a whole, a whole. I saw. But as far In as Texas, A whole nother. Side of things that we haven't even <laughs> But as far touched. as Trappist Tales go, this is our first yeah Trappist episode. Mm, I enjoyed it. Episode. Episode of Bruce Styles. If Sawyer were here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Bruce Styles, where our topic of discussion was the Belgian Duble. Join us next week for episode twenty-four, which is gonna be awesome. Meet I say more? Cheers till then. <laughs>